Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Yesterday, I did open up the show asking if things have ever been better. Today, I'm going to open up the show, not with a question, but with a statement. A statement with just two words. Statement being, "Uh uh-oh. I'm not asking any questions. I already know the answer. So a statement, two words, "Uh uh-oh. If ever there was a time for the slowest, most pixelated, most distorted, most drawn out Carl Lewis that we have ever dropped on this program, and we've done it before, but never like this. The time is now. Everybody, all together now, join in with Carl and I, and coming in three, two, one. Oh! Oh! Slow enough, long enough, drawn out enough, pixelated enough. I think I have one more in me. Hey, South Florida. Oh! oh! What a difference a day makes. I mean, not really. Well done, Alvin. Alvin! Oh, man. The Panthers are still in the Stanley Cup final. Y'all did send two schools to the Final Four last month, including FAU, which still doesn't even seem possible, but that did happen. We saw it. It's still an all-time great stretch for South Florida sports fan. But all that said, it is going to be a tight butt weekend in Miami. And I don't mean toned, tanned buttocks. Buttocks. I mean clenched buttholes. Because the Heat now find themselves in an incredibly sketchy situation. Ask any Heat fan. Heat fan is freaking the hell out this morning. And everybody else seems to be on the Celtics right now. No team has ever made it back from a 3-0 deficit in the history of the association. But go tell that to the lava spewers on social media because they disagree. They say the Celtics have already made history that they've already won the series, that this series is already over. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet, but I will say this. Miami better seal the deal at home Saturday night. This Game 6 just turned into a Game 7 for the Heat because shipping back up to Boston for a Memorial Day Game 7 would be a nightmare. It would probably end up looking a lot like last night. And last night, the Heat got wire-to-wire curb-stomped. If you didn't see that game, do not let that final score fool you. That was a 30-point beatdown disguised as a 13-point loss. Now, I will give Miami this. At least they didn't quit. They did not quit on this game. They just never showed up in the first place. The game was over six or seven minutes in. Halfway through that first quarter, it was Celtics by 16, and everybody on the court, and everybody in the arena, and everybody watching at home, and everybody worldwide knew that game was already over. 
And at no point did Miami make any sort of move to give anybody any reason to believe. Which is why Heat fan is sounding a little hopeless this morning, even though Miami is still up 3-2. And of course, none of the previous 150 teams in NBA history that have had a 3-0 lead in a playoff series have ever lost that series. In fact, only three of those 150 to face a 3-0 deficit have even made it to a Game 7. So the history, the numbers, everything is still on Miami's side, except for the momentum. The Mo now belongs to the Boston Celtics. Listen, the Celtics were always the more talented team. The Celtics were the better team throughout the entire regular season. And they picked a pretty damn good time to remember that too. Suddenly, Boston looks like the team that most thought had a legitimate shot at ripping the Lario. And suddenly, Miami looks like that eight seed that just did survive the playing tourney. So, what the hell gives? What gives? Now what? I gotta know. I gotta know. And if I want to find out, and I have to know where do I go, I go to my dude. Himmy. Himmy Buckets. Himmy. The hell happened last night. Before that, even. Himmy. The hell happened to everything's gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be all right. My dude, nothing was all right last night. Everything sucked last night. What happened to everything's going to be all right? Listen, my dude, I would never, ever, ever abandon you. You're my dude. You're one of one. You are still Jimmy freaking Butler. So I know you know this, but you can't hit the podium singing everything's gonna be all right right. and then come out for the next game looking like that my man you can't hit the podium singing that and then come out with a game worst minus 24 last night like i don't know what that was i don't know if you were gassed i don't know if you were saving energy i don't know if you got any of your big face coffee in your system yesterday but to call my dude low energy would be an understatement, and the fact is, they take their cue, and he sets the tone. It then continued into the postgame when he delivered what I frankly have to say is one of the sleepiest guarantees ever. We just got to play better, um, start the games off better on the starters, um, make it more difficult for them. They're in a rhythm since the beginning of the game, but we're always going to stay positive knowing that we can and we will win this series. Um, And we'll just have to close it out at home. Not exactly Joe Namath. Not exactly Mark Messier. Listen, there's a good reason why people aren't shaking in fear at that guarantee this morning. That guarantee is barely on anybody's radar because it rings about as hollow right now as Everything's gonna be Everything's all right. Everything's gonna be all right. Maybe he knows. I know this, though. Here's what I know. They have never, ever needed a Hemi Buckets game more than they need one right now. Man, do they need this guy to be that guy. They need Hemi to be him. And holy crap, did these guys miss my gaucho Gabe Vincent last night? And not just Gaucho Gabe's buckets, but Gaucho Gabe's defense. 
Gaucho Gabe's energy, toughness, aggressiveness. It's almost like without Gaucho Gabe, Miami does not have a chance in this series. It's almost like Miami knows it too. Hey, man, nothing against Kyle Lowry, but dude, dude, yo, you with all the postseason experience, man, you got to be better than that, dude. You have to be better than that. The Heat better hope that my guy's ankle is good to go for game six, and they better win that game six because that game six is, in fact, their game seven. You don't even have to take that from me. Ask any Heat fan. They would all tell you exactly the same. Meanwhile, Boston fan could not be any more confident. Boston fan could not be any more hyped. Or more perfectly summed up by this one child who shared this message on a New Hampshire local news station last night. The city of Boston is built on grit. We know what to do. This is clockwork. We are Title Town. We're going to go to Miami, and it's going to be a South Beach massacre. Celtics at seven, baby. We know what to do. Don't test us. Lynn Green, Chase Racing. Let's go. Wow, my half fam. I hear a guy like that, and I wish I was all fam. Don't test us. Let's go. We know what to do. That is all of Chowtown right now. My half fam could not be more full of confidence. And it is tight butt time in South Beach. But it's all good in Beantown. Tight butt time in South Beach. But apparently it is slap butt time in the Celtics locker room. Man, how good do they feel about each other? This good. You see Grant Williams? You see his postgame last night? Or more importantly, did you hear his postgame last night? Check out the sound of Jalen Brown and Al Horford just wailing away on this dude's buttocks while he's trying to give an interview. Do our job to make sure we get it back here. That's number one goal. Uh, take care of the next game, one game at a time. We can't look too far ahead. Ouch. And um, <laughs> Ouch. make sure that we... Got... Good job, Grant. Um, we got to make sure we take this one game at a time and make sure that we um, just make sure we stay together, honestly. Get, get some work on that. Thank you, Grant. Congratulations. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you are buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Get some ice or ibuprofen for that buttocks. Work on what? Buttocks. His red and swollen buttocks. I mean, damn, fellas, take it easy. Too far ahead. I guess. And um, make sure that we. Got... Good job, Grant. Yo, Grant. Um, we gotta make sure we take this one game at a time. Man. Good job, good effort, Grant. I guess now we've got the full picture of what the vibe is gonna be like on Saturday night. Miami fans with extraordinarily tight butts. Grant Williams with a sore butt. Good job, Grant. 
Wow. Oh, we got. Got. He almost went off with a GD bomb. Oh, we got. I'll tell you what's a good job, Grant. The way he caught himself, he almost went with a GD bomb and just caught himself. Oh, we got. That is tough, man. That's a dude who did not blink. He almost did. One more time, Allie. One game at a time. We can't look too far ahead. Ouch. And um, make sure that we got. Anyway, Miami fan better hope that Gabe can go or they'll probably end up walking out of that place on Saturday even more butthurt than they are right now. Even more butthurt than Grant is. Make sure that we got. Hemi, my man. And again, I don't. I'm team content, so I'm loving this series. I love it. I love that it was not a sweep. I do not have a dog in this fight, but Hemi, you're already a legend. Already. But if you want to go next level, and I wasn't sure that there was, but there is now, you need to find a way to get this done. You need to make damn sure you do not let the half fam, my half fam, go into your house and walk out with another win. It's Hemi Buckets time. Otherwise, blowing that 3-0 lead is going to stick to you. It's going to stick to everybody there for the rest of time. You, Spo, Riles, Gabe, everybody. Because you're not beating the Celtics in Game 7 in their house. You're not. You're just not. No matter how much trouble my half-fam has had in their own house in the postseason the last two years, you are not beating them in a Game 7. Not the way they're playing right now. Don't test us! Yo, what, you're going to beat that guy and 18,000 others like him? The hell you are. Lead Green! Chase Rankton! Let's go! That's one dude. Imagine 20,000 of that guy. And it's going to be a you're South Beach it. Massacre! Your game six is your game seven. Then after the game, you knew. You knew Jalen Brown was going to triple down. We were the tougher playing team. Um, we set this on from start to finish, and uh, we had a great team win. We hit shots, and they let us get two. Uh, so don't let us get another one. He said it. Don't let us get one. Don't let us get two. And now um, so don't, don't let, us get, let us get another one. I mean, it already worked twice. Why the hell not? Hey, heat culture, you're not going to let them get another one, right? Because you know... Jalen Brown has a quadruple down, locked and loaded. Uh, so don't let us get another one. Make sure that we got. Good, good. Make sure that we. All right, so now what? Nobody had ever come back from a 3 0 deficit. Now you get yourselves a really important game six. 1 800 636 8686. Half fam. Get up in here. How you feeling about we things? South Florida, how you feeling about things? U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just $29.99. So, unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. We are joined by Bruce Bochy. Boch, it is great to talk to you. It is great to have you on the show, Boch. How you doing, my friend? Hey, Romy, thanks. It's good to hear your voice as well. And uh, 
you know, there's a lot of things you miss, uh, you know, when you're out for a while, but uh, it's good to hear you. What's going on there? Yeah, you too, Boach. It's so good to hear your voice, and it's so good to have you back. You know, just grinding it out, doing my thing here, and it's great to talk to you. Let me ask you about the team. You know, the Rangers had not had a winning season since 2016. I think there are a lot of people, Bruce, outside your clubhouse that are surprised, maybe even stunned by how well the team is playing right now. Are you yourself at all surprised to see your club sitting atop the AL West? I tell you, Romy, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's a long season, but I thought this team would uh, be right there. I really did. I looked at the talent. Uh, and when uh, Chris Young, our general manager, went out uh, and signed a uh, starting pitching that he did, I knew that each one of those guys would give us a chance to, to win on, uh, uh, on any day they went out there. So, I uh, know I felt good about the offense. I, I said this is a team that can put up some runs and do it consistently, and uh, it's got depth to it. Uh, we've had a couple of nice young kids that played well. There's Josh Young and Duran, but uh, the veterans are doing their thing, Marcus and uh, Seager and, and those guys. Uh, but it's, it's really the starting pitching uh, that's uh, been uh, so solid for us, and uh, you know, we're trying to get this bullpen uh you know, straighten out a little bit. That's been a little hiccup. But really, beside that, they've been playing some great baseball. So there's a lot of good stuff in that, Boach, that I want to respond to. But I want to ask you one thing. When you stepped away from the dugout after that incredible run with the Giants in 2019, did you do so thinking, all right, I had a great run, I am officially retired? Or maybe deep down in the back of your mind, were you thinking, this is just a sabbatical and I'm going to find my way back to the game? Well, I, I think the latter, to be honest, uh, you know, I needed a break. Uh, um, you know, I needed a, a couple things done. I, my back was killing me and I had surgery and, uh, it's, it's doing great now. And, uh, but, uh, I think probably mentally, uh, just take a, a, a little break, uh, and see, just see where my head's at. And, uh, I was fine the first year. First year was the COVID year that I stepped out and I said, well, I'm glad I'm not dealing with that because I didn't want to wear a mask in the dugout and be bubbled in, in a hotel. So I, I was okay. But, you know, second year I started missing it more. And I think what really hit me was the last, uh, the third year out, uh, I went to France to help them and to uh, qualify in the WBC. Now we weren't very good, but I got back in the dugout and I said, man, I miss this. And, uh, uh, I didn't know if I would, you know, three years out, you don't know if somebody uh, is going to give you a call. Uh, I didn't call anybody, and but uh, Chris Young, he called me to get my appetite on doing this, and, uh, and then he flew out to Nashville. That's where uh, I live now, and uh, we spent seven hours talking, and I said, let's go, man. I was fired up. I, I couldn't wait to get back on the field, and uh, no regrets. I'm loving it. A great group here, and, uh, you know, I, that. That retirement's overrated, so if you're thinking about it, I'm just telling you that. (laughs) It's great, Boach. I'm not. I'm not. I'm all in. I'm like you. I'm all in. I still love it, and I still love it when my feet hit the ground in the morning. So, no, I'm not thinking about it. Bruce Boach, is joining us. So, Boach, it's an incredible note to me, but despite all your experience, this is actually your first managerial gig in the American League. In fact, not only that, you never even played in the American League back in the day. Now, I understand that the divide isn't what it used to be because of the interleague play and the universal DH, but it just seems a little odd that you're in the AL. Does it feel odd? Has there been any kind of adjustment because of that? You know, initially it did, you know, because you're right. I I was always in the National League, but I think you look at the game now. I, I don't know the difference, to be honest. Uh, you know, with player movement, uh, the rules, uh, you know, the, the DH in both leagues, uh, I, 
I couldn't tell you. Uh, the umpires, you know, there's no separation there. They're in both leagues. So, uh, you know, once, uh, you know, I got some you know, halfway in spring training, whatever, that's that's kind of how I felt. That's it. It's it's really no different than being in the National League. So I just initially because uh, of my longevity in the National League, it's probably why it felt a little strange for me. Talking to Bruce Bochy, Bochy mentioned Corey Seager. Let me ask you about him. I mean, the team has already dealt with some adversity, including the fact that he missed a month with that hamstring injury. He's back. He had a huge game against the Rockies this past Saturday. How good is it to have him back, and what does he mean to your club? Oh, man, it's it's great to have him back. Uh, I mean, you're talking about one of the best hitters in, in baseball, and I mean that. Uh, you know, it's, it's really amazing. I think he had five at-bats in his rehab, and uh, – uh, first game back, I mean, he was just squaring up balls. Uh, first left-hander he saw, he, he, he lined a shot uh, center field. Uh, he just got an incredible approach, uh, simple, and uh, and really he's he's our guy along with Marcus and uh, you know Lowe and Garcia. I mean, we we need him. So uh, I will say uh, Duran did a great job, you know, filling in to help soften that blow of losing him, but. Uh, it's good to have Corey back because he, he's got power. He's got a great eye at the plate, and uh, he's just a solid shortstop. And uh, we missed him. And uh, it's a different lineup with him, and we're seeing that already. Rangers manager Bruce Bochy is joining us once again. Bochy, you mentioned the pitching. You know, the team is looking to win. The team is looking to win big right now, as evidenced by that big swing that it took in signing Jacob DeGrom. He's been on the IL, but I know he's had some bullpens, and I think maybe even having another one today. How does he look to you, and then how close is he to rejoining the team? Yeah, uh, Rami, he, he's close. Uh, I mean, his last bullpen, he, he was letting it go pretty good uh, today. In the bullpen, he's going to be throwing the slider to breaking balls and uh, and uh, probably just take it up another notch. And then all goes well. We'll see how he comes out of it and uh, possibly could be facing hitters real soon. So, you know, it's hard to say how long. could be two, three weeks. Uh, it really depends on how he's bouncing back. But uh, it's nothing but good news right now after every bullpen. He didn't feel a thing last bullpen. And uh, uh, so we're, we're very encouraged about where he's at and uh, – now I'll just add to that, you know, another guy that filled in when he went down was just Dane Dunning. And I can't say enough about what this kid's done for us and uh, you know, replacing him to help ease the loss of uh, losing Jacob. Especially if Jacob is spinning it now in those bullpens, that's really a good sign. You know, both you're in Baltimore, right. so it gives me a chance to ask you about their great young catcher, Adley Rutschman. I spoke to him recently. I could not have been more impressed with what I heard from him. I know you've probably heard the comparisons between him and a guy that helped you win three World Series titles in Buster Posey. I want to be so, so careful before I compare any young player to Buster. But do you see any similarities between the two of them? I, I do. I, I I think at where he's at at his age and where Buster was at, at that time, uh, yeah, it's comparable. When we brought Buster up in 2010, uh, you know, we we were a different club. He, he took over. He he was uh, a guy that led the staff and uh, also a guy that hit in the heart of the order. He had a great uh, great way about him. Uh, he had a calmness there, and uh, I see this kid the same way. And uh, I mean, he's. You know, switch hitter, you know, a little different that way, but both of them are uh, just such good hitters, smart hitters, but do a uh, tremendous job at, you know, handling the staff. You look at what Baltimore's doing here, how well they're throwing the ball, 
and he has to get credit. And uh, same with Buster. That's that's who who we had a uh, guy that really helped turn that staff around with uh, how he handled them. Yeah, but Boach, one last thought. I mean, it's very clear how much you love this game, the deep, deep passion you have for the game. I'm always fascinated by people who achieve sustained success. Again, you've won over 2,000 games. You've managed over 4,000 games. And I know you'll point to having excellent players over that time, and it's true, but what do you think has kept you so vibrant, so engaged, so energetic, and still working at an elite level after all these years? Like, I like to study that type of thing. What's your opinion? Why are you still performing at such a high level after all this time? Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a, a tough one, really. I, I think to keep it simple is just how much I, I love the game and how much I missed it uh, when I was out. And it was evident to me that, uh, you know, this is this is what I should be doing. It, you know, if I get a call, I, I knew I, it was in my heart. Uh, and I felt like I, you know, I, I felt better, had the energy to get back. And, uh, um, you know, there's so many things about this game I love and uh, you know sure the game itself strategy and everything but the relationships I, I love to travel uh, there's nothing about it I really don't like and uh, and so I that's probably kept me going uh, because I I've said this if I step back and retired I probably would coach a, a team somewhere I, I just love baseball and uh, so I guess that's the biggest uh, thing I can tell you uh, because anytime you have passion for something you you know you're Hopefully you you work at it and you're you're decent at it and uh, uh, and I tell kids that uh, it, it's just something uh, uh, that's been in my blood for so long and and uh, I I don't think I've arrived. Trust me, I'm trying to get better every day. As you know, the game has changed and I'm learning. Uh, I said that coming in. I, I'm gonna have to learn from the staff about these players. I'm, I'm gonna have to learn about the changes in the game, how they do things and whatever. So uh, it's just about trying to get better every day. I love that so much. I love that you're still trying to get better every single day. I love that. And one last thought, one quick follow. You said, if I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be coaching somewhere. Fact is, you were. You were coaching. Weren't you coaching your grandson's team? Weren't you coaching T-ball? How'd that go? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it went well. I told him, too. Uh, uh, man, he, I said, you're, you're driving me back managing the major leagues, man. This is harder than the job I had because <laughs> I'd be standing out there, uh, and, you know, you have to guide him in T-ball. And he said, Papa, hey, I, I, I want to hear. I, I don't want to stand out here. I said, we all do, but this is what you got to do. And uh, so I kid him. He, he's the one that drove me back in, in the managing. That is the best. All right. So he's in his first season with the Rangers. They're on top of the AL West. Old friend Bruce Bochy joining us once again. Bochy, I can't believe how long it's been, but you sound absolutely awesome. I appreciate the relationship, the friendship, and it's so good to have you back on the show, Bochy. Man, thank you, and uh, it's great to talk with you. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you down the road here. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. All right, so it is another huge day in Smack Off season. Hashtag Smack Off season. Because today, your Smack Off prediction videos do start airing. 
And that's why I had Tommy come in and say, this is how you get them on the air. So if you have not done so yet, send one in. If you've got an opinion on who is going to be in the smack off or who's going to win it all, do it. Now, you might want to wait until you hear this. Maybe you need some help with your prediction. The other reason why today is such a big day in Smack Off season is because the noted jungle historian, Stephen Houston, a.k.a. Stucknut, dropped his annual and famous Smack Off odds last night. Once again, they're unofficial. They're his odds. They're his opinion. Now, what I'm going to say to you is his opinion matters a hell of a lot because he's heard every single show for like the last 25 years. He knows everybody who has called this program. His opinion matters to me. It should matter to you, but they are unofficial odds. They're just one person's opinion, all right? And I will say this. Every single year when we do this, the smack-off participants get bent about these odds. And I would suspect having gone over them, this year will be no different. Again, they're not bettable odds. We're not getting down. We're not taking action. There's an obvious conflict of interest to do something like that. This is just for fun. This is just show fodder. This is just content. We're just having fun with it. I want to be very clear on that. So quickly, about Stucknut. If you don't know him, the Nut Chronicles... Every single minute and every single word of this show on stucknut.com. Do not ask me how or why. I've never known. I don't ask. I just appreciate the guy immeasurably. He's been doing it for decades. Stephen Houston knows more about this show than I know about this show. Stephen Houston knows more about this show, and it is my show. And his website is an incredible jungle resource. You have to check it out if you've never been there before. If you have any questions about the show or history of the show, go to his website. The answer is probably there. Now, Steve himself does not participate in the actual event, probably because when he tries to call and be funny, things like this happen. Steve-O, what's up? Man, I feel like I've already archived that call from Chris in Southeast Wisco before. I have a, a little message for Mark in Hollywood, J.D. in Philly, Rooster from Maverick, and comedian Ian Fidance. Tell me how my ass tastes. <laughs> Stuck nut. You gotta, this is why he's the jungle historian and not the jungle participant. So running smack is not exactly his forte. Running smack is not exactly his game. However, pushing out smack off odds to get the entire field totally bent is exactly his game. He's damn good at that. Look at how triggered he got the RIB Rick in Buffalo a few years back. Well, I saw Stucknut posted his smack off odds the other night, and obviously that dope knows nothing about the show. He's got those two Canadian lames going off at 10 to 1. I wouldn't touch those hacks at 100 to 1. And I couldn't believe Caleb in Green Bay opened at 5 to 1. That's a bigger stretch than that doughboy trying to squeeze into a pair of size 48 Levi's. Maybe you should just bring your mom on again this year, fat boy. And she can apologize for being such a failure as a parent. Listen, I know that Rick hates everybody and everything. 
but he's far from the only one that gets butt hurt every time Stucknut drops his odds. So let's find out what everybody is going to get bent about this year, shall we? Let's get into this. Why don't we start with the defending champ, Caleb in Green Bay. The Nuts got Caleb at 3-1. to one. That puts him in a tie for second best odds in the field. And I think that is fair. The champ is the champ. We know he's got the game. We know he's got the talent. We know he can go back-to-back. We know he can run it back. However, he's got a lot of work to do in order to do it again because he's got some incredibly intense competition. Let's hone in on Caleb's 10 biggest rivals for the strap this year, the guys that he's going to have to beat if he is going to go back-to-back, at least according to the nut. And again, the nut knows as much. No, the nut knows more about this show than anybody. Yesterday, we gave James in Portland his first ever player profile, and now the nut is giving him a 10-to-1 shot to win the whole thing. That is 11th best in the field. That seems like our first value play. It seems like a value play because James finished 8th in his first main event appearance last year. A value play if there ever was one. But then again, James has to prove that he's not a one-trick pony. That might have worked his first time in. But then what do you do the next time? Do you want to win? Do you have another gear? Do you have more in your toolbox? I don't know. Next up, two competitors at 8-1. to one. Benny and Wisco. I'll tell you what, I see value there. Benny and Wisco was profiled on Wednesday. Benny at 8-1. to one. Benny can win. 8-1 to one is good value. Mark in Boston, who had an epic power failure that disconnected his call on the big day last year. But Mark has already been back in here to tell us that he's got a new landline and he's got some fresh new smack that he will be ready to roll on June 30th. Both these dudes are really, really interesting dark horses in the competition this year. Both these dudes are starving for their first strap. Both these dudes, I would say, have the game to pull it off. A couple of very interesting names in the field, and there's value there. The next name is always, arguably, the most interesting name in the field, provided he calls. Of course, I'm talking about Iafrady. And the question of whether or not he will call is the only reason why he's 7-1. Because he is a living legend. A lot of you want to bury him. A lot of you want to say he's an old man who's totally out of touch. But this guy can go a year, three years, five years, and then show up out of nowhere at all, bitter as ever, smart as ever, and then rip second place like he did last year. Out of absolutely nowhere, and he and others would say he should have won. You can get that guy at 7-1 on the smack-off odds from the nut. Again, I have to think that those odds are based on we don't know whether or not he's coming. I never know whether or not I'm afraid he's coming. I don't know if he's going to arrive or not. I haven't heard word one. I don't know that I've heard from him. He did make a phone call this year. But I don't know. In fact, if I'm looking at my records, he's called twice since the smack-off. Now, according to Stucknut smack-off power rankings, Iafrady is the single most accomplished caller in the history of the jungle. Check out this obscene resume. 
from a guy that we never know if he's going to call or not. Two-time winner, five-time runner-up, four-time third-place finisher, and 17 top fives. The dude is called into 19 smack-offs, and he has top-fived 17 of them. So, yeah, betting Iafrady is always a good bet, even if we don't know whether or not he's going to arrive. Obviously, now we're into the heavy hitter territory. That brings us to a couple of former champs going off at 6-1. to one. My dude, Mark in Hollywood, 6-1. to one. Then there is the five-time champ, the original smack-off dynasty, Shawnee. The Cabin Asian. Glad Shawnee is a fixture once again. After a 12-year hiatus, he's back. He's 6-1. to one. And since returning, he has rattled off a fourth, a seventh, a third, a fifth. All in the last four years. No doubt in my mind he can win again. No doubt in my mind he can win again. Guy's lost nothing. Next up, Broadway Victor. 4-1. to one. Vic and NoCal, the 2010 champ. Here's what I respect about Vic, and I respect the hell out of it. He won it in 2010, and in 2022, still has enough game to hit the podium. Longevity, yo. Still has a lot of game. And was the runner-up from two years ago. Vic still swings a big stick. And still one to be feared and respected. He's been right there. He's still hungry as hell. He wants another strap badly. Anybody who knows anything about this show always knows to look out for Broadway Vic. Seriously, this year, look out for Broadway Vic. I've just, I got a feeling he's sitting on something. I have a feeling that guy is sitting on something this year. Which leaves us three. The defending champ, Caleb. As I mentioned, at three to one. Joining him at three to one with the second best odds to lift his seventh strap. That's right, folks. In a bit of a shocker, according to Stucknut, he is not the favorite. He's not the one to beat. Brad in Corona, the B I C, the G O A T. Tied for the second best odds this year. Which means the Laguna Beach Bully. My dude left in Laguna is the stuck nut favorite to win smack off number 29. To coin a phrase, love to see it. (laughs) Love to see it. So left is a three-time champ. He's been locked in an Epic rivalry with the BIC for nearly a decade now. Leff has three straps of his own, but he has not won since 2020. Most importantly, he had his worst finish since his debut main event last year. For most, seventh place in a smack-off is a strong accomplishment. For Leff, it's an embarrassment. For Leff, it's humiliating. For Leff, it's a reason to come back with a vengeance. At least that's the way Nut sees it. 
What do you think? Get up in here. Send a prediction video if you want. Try to call with a reaction if you want. Or better yet, try to jump into the fray, earn a golden ticket, and take part in the madness. Here's some other odds for you. Here are the wild cards. Your long odds. The field. You can take the field at 50-1. to Silk, a former champ. 22 to 1. Mike and Indy would be the best value ever at 18 to 1, but the reason he's 18 to 1 is he doesn't call anymore. It's one of those things where if you were James Kelly and you were betting it, you'd pick a good value or a low odd, and then you just throw some money at Mike in the event that Mike wanted to shock the world, but Mike just does not call. Gino, 18 to 1. There's some value. Dan in Denver, 16 to 1. Paul's dog, 12 to 1. Jeff from Richmond, 12 to 1. Rick in Buffalo, 5 to 1. Who loves you, baby? There's some value there, 5 to 1. But he's got Left as the one to beat. He's got the BIC and Caleb. Second, and again, just one man's opinion, unofficial odds, you can't get down on that, you can't bet that, you can't get action on that, there's no money involved, that's all for fun and conversation. What is your reaction? The participants generally take that pretty personally. Hey, Rick, how's that feel? Hey, Jeff, how's that grab you? 12 to 1. Hey, Paul's dog, 12 to 1. Gino, are you going to call on the 30th? If so, would you bet on yourself at 18 to 1? Silk, I know you don't care. You roll with everything. All you care about is the swells. 22 to 1. Mike and Indy, 18 to 1. Except I would give you even money that he won't call. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Zaire Franklin is my guest. He joins us via Zoom. Zaire, what's going on? How are you? Zoom, I'm doing good. Glad to be here. Dude, it is awesome to have you here. It is great to talk to you. Great to meet you. You know, I mentioned off the top, you had an amazing season last year. You broke the Colts' single-season record for tackles with 167. i got to start right there. Given the amazing journey that you've taken to get here and the fact that you were injured in the season finale and then you came back later in that game and you got that mark, what does the record represent to you? Um, the record really just represents, you know, a culmination of a whole lot of work. You know, um, a journey, uh, you know, full of valleys and peaks, um, you know, but I'm still going. Um, you know, I'm just thankful for the success that I had personally last year, but really just looking forward to turning it around and getting some more wins in that win column 
um, and just building something to be proud of um, here in Indianapolis. You know, I, I kind of thought you would answer it that way because that's what you're about, man. You're about the team. You're about the guys around you. You're about everything but yourself. But I want to ask you this. I mean, given how hard you've worked, I'm curious, like, what kind of fuel are you running on right now? Like, what's your mindset? When you hit the field, do you feel like, hey, man, I am that guy. I'm him. I'm the single-season record holder for tackles in this joint. I made history, or do you feel like that seventh rounder with that immense chip on your shoulder who's got to prove himself every single day at the facility? What's it feel like now? Oh, man, it's crazy. I was uh, actually just talking to one of my teammates yesterday. We was on the jugs at the practice, and I was just telling him, I'm like, look, man, I, it feels good to have the validation from the organization, from the fans, from my teammates, but, you know, I remember, you know, you know, when I came in, they wouldn't even let me pick my number. You know, I remember, you know, not being a part of the team uh, photo ops until my third year in the league. And I was already a team captain by then. Um, you know, I remember what it was like to kind of be on the outside um, looking in. And I think, you know, just always thinking about those days and thinking about the days when I wish I was was where I am now. Um, just continue to motivate me, continue to push him. But to be honest, you know, as you achieve a goal, your goals just get bigger. So. Um, for me, uh, you know, you don't got time in the lead to kind of sit around and think about where you are. Um, you constantly just kind of push that envelope, constantly trying to raise the level. Um, and I got goals that I didn't reach last year, so I got to continue to push them to get them. Zaire Franklin joining us. Let me ask you this. I mean, guys taking where you were taken don't stick. They don't stick. Much less star and lead the way you have. Did you always see yourself having this type of success in the league and the life that you have overall right now? Did you know? Yeah, I mean, I know it's easy for everybody to say, everybody says, yeah. Um, but, you know, to be honest, there were times where I doubted myself. Um, there were times where, you know, I was like, well, man, may, am I just a special teamer? You know, am I just a guy that's, a, you know, a good backup in the league? You know, just to, is that what the team needs me to win? But, you know, I always really just believed in myself. I always, you know, so I, tell, I was going to take a, a bet on myself. And, look, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to believe that I was the player that I always truly thought I was, I was, I was capable of being. And, um, you know, when I had my opportunity, I knew I just wasn't going to be I wasn't going to miss. Um, so last year, just coming into the season, knowing I was going to have an opportunity to play for, you know, extended amount of time. I just knew once they let me on that field, I wasn't going to get off. Um, and I was just going to prove to everybody in those buildings, everybody watching around the country that, you know, I deserve to be where I was supposed to be. Right. And plus, you have to bet on yourself. If you're not willing to bet on yourself, why would anybody else? Now, everybody plays the game for different reasons. You made it pretty clear that you play the game in mm -hmm. large part for both your mom and your grandmother, who both sadly passed away. Can you start with your mom? What was she like, and what do you remember about her? Oh, man, she was uh, sweet, soft-spoken. Um, she was a dreamer. Um, and, you know, just I, a long story short, she really just believed in me. Um, she used to go around telling everybody, you know, I was going to be somebody one day. I was going to be a star. Uh, she had to drop out of college her sophomore year when she had me. Um, so... For me, being the first person in my family to graduate college was a big deal. Um, and it was a promise that I made to her um, before she passed. And I was glad that I was able to finish that. So um, she was just an inspiration. She's she's the reason why, you know, I believe I could achieve anything because, you know, she she put that battery in my back from a young age. I mean, that's beautiful. I was going to ask you about that. She you promised her you would get that degree. Why was that so important to her? And then how gratifying was it for you to see it through and get it done? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was just one of those things, you know, your, your parents always tell you, look, you want to get something that they can't take away from you, you know, and uh, for her, she was like, look, what you're doing on the field, what you're doing 
you know, on the baseball field, football field, whatever I was playing at the time. She was like, look, that's cool, but you want to get something. Once you got it up here, you know, they can never take it away from you. So, um, you know, getting that degree. And like I said, you know, being that first in my family to graduate college, you know, growing up, I didn't really have that many, you know, people that even went to college. I didn't really see people doing those type of things. So for me to set that standard for my family moving forward, uh, I felt like it was just a big deal, not only for my children, but for my nieces and nephews as well. Good for you. Zara Franklin joining us. What about your grandma? Did did she know the game pretty well? And what was she like? Uh, she was she was fiery, man. She uh it's funny if you if you was to talk to anybody uh from Philly uh growing up in West Oak Lane, they'll tell you that she was a fire on the sideline. She used to yell mid-game, uh, she arguing with the ref. She was she was that type of fan in Paris. So that's where I get all my trash talking, all that other stuff from. So all that fire and all that energy, that that, that comes from her side. <laughs> Sarah, there's this great piece on you this week in The Athletic, and your Pop Warner coach said that your grandmother, tell me if this is true, your grandmother, when you were like seven, would get right up in your grill, look you in the eye right through the face mask and say, quote, you're going to go out there and you're going to hit somebody. Like, is that how it really was? Was grandma <laughs> like that? My grandmother, God rest her soul, she was she was wild. She was crazy. She used to she used to yell for me on the sideline. You don't make a play, you ain't coming home tonight. She used to just be joking, but she was she was just she was just that <laughs> she was that type. She was just talk, I, you people probably get in trouble for talking to their kids like that nowadays. But to be honest, it was just it was just that hunger. She used to always tell me, be a hitter, not a looker. You know, go out there and play. And I think for her, she just wanted me to go out there. Don't hesitate, you know, just go out there, play, have fun. And like, look, if you're going to be on the field, you might as well go make a play. You might as well be known. So uh, that was just her, man. We out there, to, you know, you know, saying break heads and take names, you know, so that's kind of how she used to carry. So. I love that so much. If you're going to be out there, you might as well punch somebody in the face. <laughs> you know, so the, tragically, though, Zaire, <laughs> the, the, the two women that meant so much to you passed away 77 days apart. I'm curious, like, how were you able to process something as traumatic as that as such a young person? How did you get through that period? Um, To be honest, uh it was my village, you know, um, you know, first and foremost, uh, obviously my family, my aunt and my cousins that, you know, surrounded me. But to be honest, I had a great group of um, guys that I'm still talking to to this day, uh, still friends with to this day. You know, I even stayed at a friend's house for a month or so. They drove me to school when my parents couldn't drive me to school because I didn't have my license yet. Um, and, you know, I just had a, a group of friends and a village that really wrapped their arms around me. Um, and to be honest, I just threw myself into the game, you know, football and, you know, going to work out. It was it was a refuge for me. You know, it was somewhere I could go to kind of get my mind off of things. And, um, you know, I knew that, you know, I wanted to make them proud. And I, I felt like, you know, to, to sit around and soak and feel bad about what happened. Um, obviously, you got to grieve and stuff. But um, I, I really just wanted to, you know, prove them right for all the different things that they spoke over me, all the prayers that they prayed for me um, and all the dreams that they had for me. I just really wanted to prove prove something beyond even their imagination. You know, I so appreciate your thoughts on that because that's not an easy topic. They sound like they were both absolutely amazing. And I know probably you and I would not be having this conversation right now if not for your mom and your grandmother. They sound amazing. Let me ask you about the team. The team used the fourth overall pick to draft quarterback Anthony Richardson. The guy was an absolute freak show, Zaire, at the Combine. How has he looked so far to you at OTAs? And is he living up to all the advanced hype? I know it's early, but is he living up to all that energy and hype so far? Uh, I mean, you know, we don't, we don't, in the locker room, we don't really pay attention to the hype. You know, it's, it's cool to have you know, a young boy to come in with a lot of 
glitz and glam. But, you know, I think the thing I love so much about Anthony is, man, he's all about the work. He's all about the grind, man. He come in early. He's putting that work in. You know, he's out to practice early. He's out to practice late. He's doing his best. Um, and, and I'm not going to lie, man, he's making some plays. You know, obviously, when you first get out there, you know, you're going against, you know, a first-team defense for the first time. Things are going on. But as he settled in, he started to make plays. Um, he's athletic, man. He, he makes some big throws. And um, I think just as he settled down, as he continued to get comfortable, um, continue to work with uh, Coach Steichen and the offense and those guys getting in rhythm and routine, you know, I definitely think he, he has everything uh, necessary to be special. I appreciate that. You mentioned Coach Steichen. What about that? You get a brand new head coach in Shane Steichen. He joined the team after helping lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl. He was their O coordinator. He's only 38, third youngest coach in the NFL. What kind of an impression did he make on you when he first addressed the team? What's he like? I think he's, you know, he's just a sharp guy. You know, uh, I appreciate, you know, how young he is. I think he's just closer to, you know, our age, understands, you know, what kind of gets us to tick understands the type of, you know, things that motivate us. And, you know, he's a guy that's kind of coming in and, um, you know, he's holding everybody accountable, holding everybody to the same standard. Um, he doesn't shy away from, you know, uh, I think tough conversations or talking about reaching our goals, but what is it going to take to reach our goals? It's going to take the hard work. It's going to take the commitment. It's going to take, you know, being that same guy coming in every single day. Um, so just the energy that he just brings, um, you know, to the practice field, to the meeting room, um, and I think it's just, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's influential. You can feel it, you know, when we out there practicing, everybody's hype, everybody's having a good time. Um, so, you know, it's definitely been good so far. Zaire Franklin joining us. I was going to ask you, like the coaches, in your opinion, who are the coaches that have the most success right now? Is it the ones with the most innovative schemes or is it something else? Is it something more intangible? Well, I think OTAs is really just about building the foundation of your team, you know, so, um, you know, it, obviously you want the coach that comes in and knows ball, you know, but, you know, pretty much everybody knows ball. But I feel like the guys that come in, especially as, you know, in that head coaching spot, you're setting a culture, you know, you're setting the foundation. The things that you're preaching, the things that you're talking, the things that you're working on now are going to be the things that you're going to have to lean on, you know, and we the things you're going to have to lean on when, you know, some, a star player goes down and now somebody else has to work through. But where you build in that culture of everybody continue to try to get better, where you build in that culture of everybody, you know, being able to depend on each other, everybody being able to lean on each other. Because um, those are the things that really um, make the difference. It's a long season. You know, it's full of highs and lows. And I think the teams with like the strongest foundations are the ones that's able to weather those storms and continue to get better, continue to build. So. Um, I think, you know, he's done a great job of just really focusing on that. Obviously, he's a great coordinator. We all seen that um, from the Eagles run last year and then with his work in L.A. So, um, obviously, he's a talented guy when it comes to talking ball. But I really foundation um, that a team can stand on. See, I get that. And you get a lot of that from the head coach. And then I wonder about, finally, if it starts at the very top. Like, I'm going to be real straight about this. I can't get enough of Jim Irsay, Zara. Like, I love this guy. And I love this guy because I've never seen an owner quite like this guy. He's such a different cat. He's a content machine. And I'm not looking to get you on the <laughs> wrong side of the boss, man. I just have to ask, can you share a favorite Jim Irsay story? What's it like having him around? Do you have a story you can share? Can you throw us a bone? One bone. <laughs> well, first of all, you ain't gonna get me in trouble. Me, me and Mr. Ursa, we good. But uh, I would just say, I mean, I don't know if I got too many stories. I mean, we done had some crazy moments here with the Colts. You know what I mean? From you know being in the locker room um, with Luck, or you know different situations where you know a car. Um, you know, Mr. Ursa, he's always just kind of stood there. You know, even in our toughest moments, he's always been in the middle of the storm. 
um, been in that huddle, you know, he, he stands right there. He doesn't shy away from that. Um, even from my toughest moments, man, I think, you know, he's just extremely passionate about, you know, the coast organization. Um, it's a family ran thing, a family ran building. Um, you know, a lot of organizations not like that. Um, and I feel like, you know, that's why he's so passionate about it. That's why he puts so much into it because, you know, it's his family. And that's how everybody looks at it. So um, I think that's really what it comes down to. Like he's in there. I'll just say it like that. He's in there. He's staying firm in it, whether it's, it's good or bad, highs and lows. You know, his feet's planted and, and you know, he's ready to go to war with us whenever the world's with us or the world's against us. So I, can, I think that's all you really would want from him too. As I was going to say, that's what you want. That's exactly what you want. Zaire, you are a great player, a great dude, a great story. I'm so glad you and I finally came together. I appreciate you, man. Let's be sure and do it again soon. But great to have you on today. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Appreciate you having me on. Let's try Claremont. Lane in Claremont. Lane, it's good to have you. What's up? Hey, what's up, Jim? Thanks for the vine, man. I've been listening since the year 2000. I think this is the second time I've ever called in. I love your show, buddy, but you were letting Ryan from Sacktown skate right now from his terrible beef segment take yesterday. Did you hear him like wobbling and warbling as he was trying to get his lame La Quinta blasts in? I mean, you could hear his teeth chattering. You could, you could hear the urine dribbling down his leg as he nervously tried to land his smack. Ryan, this platform's too big, buddy. This stage is just too large, man. Stick to your local, stick to tipping cows, stick to smoking meth and marijuana at the same time, which is what you do in NoCal. Stick to lighting your beam and immediately getting waxed in the playoffs. And I, I say this for your health, buddy. Like, I don't want the jungle to have its first on-air fatality when you call next time and have a panic-induced heart attack trying to land your lame cakes. So that's it. I tell you what I got. Hey, Ward, never letting a day go by in the jungle without hearing Jim Mercy's throaty laugh. I'm looking at you, Jack Savage. Uh, War, Albie, single-handedly overturning the declining birth rate in the United States. And War, the former host of The Apprentice, dying in federal penitentiary. I am out. My man, Lane, getting after it. Wow, Lane. Lane and Claremont, rack him. Hey, Lane, I do have one question. Rack him. What does urine dribbling down somebody's leg sound like? Because that is what you said. What's the sound of urine dribbling down somebody's leg? I know what you were suggesting, that the guy is peeing down his own leg when he calls the program. But you said that's the sound of him urinating down his own leg. That's a strong call. So he took me to task for not taking Ryan and Sacktown to task. So I got an idea. Why don't we go right to Ryan in Sacktown to see how that goes? He's already on hold. Ryan in Sacramento. Ryan, what's up? How'd that feel? Lane, man. Good call, man. You got some whatever that is. But yeah, uh, yeah, that may be a little urine dribbling. But hey, Lane, you know what? It's all right, dude. We're all friends here. Rome, I wanted to just straight up war the medical team here. The jungle karma was strong with my hip replacement. In fact, I printed out a golden ticket, gave it to the team, and you know what I rolled into surgery to? Baba O'Reilly. So, anyways, successful surgery. Thank you for the karma. Thank you for the team. By the way, Stuck Nut Boys, great show last night. War whatever the hell is running through my IP right now. War being ready for the 30th. Love y'all. I, oh, minus Riverside, Bakersfield, and Fresno. I am out. The only thing missing from that is, is this real life?
Is this real life? War, whatever is pumping through my blood system or my bloodlines or my IV or my HV or my HVAC or whatever I'm on right now, war that. Can I get some more of whatever it is I'm on right now? Yo, dude, where's my hip? Where's my old hip? Is that my new hip? Where do I keep the old hip? Does the old hip, is it like a spare tire? Do I put it in the closet? Hey, can I get some more of whatever it is you you gave to me? What do you mean? I didn't urinate down my leg. I sound great. I feel great. I rolled into the operating room bumping Baba O'Reilly. Ain't nothing but love, Lane. It's all good. You know why it's all good? I'm pilled out of my freaking mind. You know why it's all good, Lane? Percocet, brah. That's why it's all good. Wow, is this real life? Did I call the jungle? You know what, I'll bet. I, I bet I can call the jungle again. No, dude, seriously, I bet he calls next hour and doesn't even know that he just called. I'll bet you we hear from Ryan and Sacktown next hour and he does not know he just made that call. Never mind that whatever he's all hopped up on, that produced his best call ever. Whatever he's all hopped up on. And now you got Mike and La Quinta back for more. Mike was in the middle of a beef earlier this week. Let's go there. Hey, Mike, what's up? How are you? Hey, Jim. How you doing? Good, dude. You? I'm doing good. So I want to start off first by apologizing for my beef email yesterday. Um, I missed the last 10 minutes of the show on Wednesday since it wasn't simulcast. I didn't know you read my email. So I sent in the beef email to kind of purge myself of my animosity towards poor Ryan. And I feel kind of bad that he's sitting in recovery right now, but then he dropped the Riverside comment right at the end of his last call. So he left me no choice but to come back after it. So I heard his call yesterday. First of all, Ryan, yes, there is a hotel chain called La Quinta. I'm surprised you know about it because they would never put one in that hole of a town that you live in. The extent of a four-star accommodation in your town is the Motel 6 down by the airport with the duck pond, I mean, swimming pool that they have in their courtyard. Um, but La Quinta is also a resort town in Palm Springs, near Palm Springs and in the Coachella Valley. And while I know 20 bucks goes a long way where you're at for crack and meth, down here that barely covers the, the valet service for a good parking lot near a duck pond dining restaurant. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I, I guess you're not allowed to clear your throat on the show. Not a very good call. What's cracking? A tremendous Monday to you. My name is Jim Rome. Nice to have you here. Hope you had a great weekend. Some of you I know it did. And some of you had a miserable weekend. We'll get to all that momentarily. The assassin, Jack Savage, is engineering today. So it's Jack Savage. Look at him. He's already on it. Let me start off by shouting out to my fellow half chows. My half fam. Your Celtics half fam are full ass. Yeah! Is there a disconnect between you and the players at this point? Um... 
Not sure. Not that there's ever a good time to quit, but in Game 3 of the Conference Finals, when you've lost two games at home already, is the very worst time to quit. Um, Back to the drawing board, Boston. I think the Celtics are just not going to happen. They're not going to make it. What happened to that team? They just something, they're, I don't know, scared of heights. <laughs> Alex Corn, my guest, for a few more moments. If we enjoyed Fan Fest in 2019 after we won the World Series and we wanted to be on that stage, you got to be accountable too. And when you're coming from a bad season, you have to be on that stage and confront the fans. Jokic has to put it up. Bang! How about this? How about we give the Nuggets credit for running right through the Lakers? Car Flag Nation. Put that in your put pipe and smoke, smoke it. Put it in a syringe and inject it. Oh my God, they swept the Lakers. And LeBron, but it seemed like he was building his retirement home as it was, as many bricks as he was putting up. Well, I, I kind of knew the, the announcement was going to happen. People probably think I'm lying about that too, huh? Lying well, that yes. Too. See, Bron, the thing about liars, if you ever get caught in a lie, everybody assumes that they can't trust anything out of your mouth after that. Bitch in Southeast Wisco's calling. You're the fart of the jungle. Yes, you make noise, but you stink like ass, and no one wants to be around you, especially women. When I'm sitting on the toilet, the toilet paper's all gone. That's the feeling I get when D and the feet comes on. Like, seriously? Talking to Bradley Chubb. Bradley, what about Tua? It looks great to me right now, man. Not gonna lie to you. I'm lying about that, too. He's a great guy to be around, so I'm expecting him to have a big year this year. I'm excited for him. All clones are welcome, excluding those from Baker's spot. Bakersfield, Fresno, and Pomona. Yeah. Pomona. Michael Block, how long have you played with the current set of irons? If you saw him in a garage sale, you might spend 25 bucks. Those clubs have been my friends and my babies for a long time. Zero credit for finally getting around to playing to your potential. Zero credit for just looking the way you're supposed to look. Everything's gonna be alright. And if Himmy is cool, I'm cool. And if Himmy says they've got this, they've got this. I am definitely in on the NBA. Kelly McCrimmon. Well, when you're in a series, you never know if you're gonna come out the other end successfully. So certainly we're pleased to be uh, leading the series 3-0 or one way, one win away from Stanley Cup Finals. These Dallas Stars, their fans just embarrassing themselves last night, just quitting, like just clowns that they are. Break my calf in the uh, like it's almost as if everybody is just assuming so the it, worse. Hey, Rome, amputation is necessary. I don't think it's too serious. Jimmy, my man, has anyone called in yet to announce that it's officially smack off season? Because uh, it's uh, smack off season, Jim. Officially. The smack off. He scores! Don't try to slam our rat fam into their rat story. This is all about the Panthers. Everyone's gonna say you got swept, and that's not what happened. <laughs> I don't know, Rod. Do you know why, Rod? Everybody's going to say you got swept because you did get swept. We didn't lose four games. I hate that. Last time I checked, scoreboard rules on. They got beat. Tony Luffman is my guest. Two words sum it up. Matthew Kachuk. He's the brave heart of his era, minus the face paint. He's John Rambo. Nothing is over. Nothing is over! Talk to Drake London. I'll just go into the person that Bijan is first. He's a humble guy. He has crazy work ethic. When you get on the field, as you can see what we're watching right now, I mean, he's a beast. What's your beef? Well, now you're calling a national, I think, sports radio show to talk about sex and diarrhea. You don't have a gray hair on your head. My beef is with the beef. Stop that, dude. Get your mind right. Pause. Chill. You gotta come to Nashville, man. Live, man. Step your Step game, your game up. Hey, South Florida. Oh! oh. oh. What a difference a day makes. Oh, I mean, not really. Oh, man. And, um, make sure that we... God.
Good job, Grant. And it's going to be a South Beach massacre! And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House! You can hear the urine dribbling down his leg. There may be a little urine dribbling, but hey, Lane, we're all friends here. Barely covers the, the valet service for a good parking lot. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Thank you, brother. Be well. Hopefully I'll see you down the road here. Vinny, guess what? Hey, Beeks. Guess what? Honored to be a part of your broadcasting tree. Oh. Jim, I've been watching you a long time, and I was coming on your show for sure, buddy. Wow! Nothing! Superman without the cape. Isn't that a fine howdy-do? Jim, you my man. I love y'all. It's three and a half months to opening day. Tell me how my ass tastes. Bye, period. Good night now! Good night now!